We are New Song, a four-square church in beautiful Colorado Springs. We love Jesus. We love each other. We are family. If you have any questions or prayer requests, you can always visit us simply by going to newsongcs.com. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Stephen Hibden shares an encouraging word of God's love. Everybody say church without walls. Not a better illustration I have than here. And I don't say a church without walls because that signifies I'm talking about one church. I'm talking about church without walls. And recently events in Virginia um, have given this new meaning. I was planning for this to be more about, um, and it will in the future, this series to be about um, how we can be church without walls to our neighbors. But today I want to talk about how walls um, build up in us against our enemies. Um, recently events in Virginia have reopened wounds and hurts and many Americans. And today I want to remind us um, of something, how Jesus handled prejudice, how Jesus handled terrorism is what it is, how Jesus handled demonic activity, how he handled racism and hate. I don't want to talk about politics or people. I'm not going to talk about uh, a person uh, that's, that lives in our country. I'm going to talk about a person that lives inside us and is... Um, someone that we can know and that we can love and he is the answer to every question about the confusion in our world and his name is Jesus. Everybody say the name of Jesus in this public park today. It is pretty amazing that we can have this gathering and say the name of Jesus together and not be afraid that we will be persecuted, not be, uh, not be, uh, in trouble for uh, standing up for our beliefs. I, I think that's awesome. This series I want to begin, I'm entitling Church Without Walls. And I thought, looking at the blue sky and the green grass and the mountains and no walls I see anywhere, thought appropriate that we started today at the church in the park. Lord, we just love you today. We're so thankful that your love can never separate us from you. Even when we're stubborn, you're more stubborn in your love towards us. As a famous historian, Amy Grant, sang the song Stubborn Love when I was 10 years old. Your love is stubborn towards us. And um, there is a lot of hate in our world. And Lord, let us be people who um, understand our position in that is to err on the side of love. And err on the side, not err, but stay on neither side but the side of Jesus because we wrestle not against flesh and blood in Jesus' name. Um, my first real sense of racism, of uh, prejudice, uh, was when was felt one day it was about it was 2001 i was 28 and i didn't think i was racist or prejudiced got your attention didn't i <laughs> knowing i am the church it's not the building 
I am a church. I built up some walls that day. Ironically, it was when other walls fell down. It was September 11th, 2001. And that's an extreme example. Think about it for a minute. Where am I going? That day was, you could not not take a side. And not just about country, not just about a race of people or a country or a party or a group, you people are taking sides. And it just happens, walls built without you even realizing it, without us even understanding. But how often, I wanna ask you the question, how often do we build walls? Well, I don't build walls, not me. All those words are, I don't even say any of those words. I don't say prejudice, I don't say racist, I don't say, well, I do say terrorist. I call people, yeah. Or I do say, um, I use this, whatever. How often do we build walls in our lives and keep the love of Jesus from being seen through us? Yes, this is not a uh, confronting message to us as a church. It's more of a stance as a church that we all agree with. I, I believe, I don't think I have to, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, but no, as the choir, you still need to agree, amen? Amen! <laughs> Today, I, I, I was in the church uh, called The Rock, that was where I was the last 10 years, and they had a choir before, behind them all of the time. And uh, it was great, but I saw that the, the choir had um, a lot of responsibility, they were there all the time. And so one day maybe it would be nice to have a choir, but their commitment is strong, bigger than the pastor's commitment. I mean, they are there practicing. But what they did in the service was that the pastor's sermon was uh, weak. They were there, amen, amen, amen. And I think they had to. But, uh, <laughs> but it kept them in it, and it, it made them realize that we're all a part of this. Um, I'm, not, I'm not asking for that today, but I want to remind you how Jesus handles hate without talking about politics or country. I want to talk about Jesus. You know that uniquely Jesus lived in a time when terrorism reigned by the Romans. It was literally the Romans who handled his crucifixion on the cross. Yet, very, very few words Jesus ever said about them. He could have had a platform at the at the uh, Beatitudes, he could have had a platform at the Sermon of the Mount, he could have had all kinds of platforms to speak against the Romans. Hey Jews, we're going to do this, the Roman this, the very few times. You know, Jesus uniquely lived in a time of, of prejudice with the um, with many groups that Jews were prejudiced against, and one was the Samaritans. It was very apparent that they looked down upon the Samaritans. Do you know how many times Jesus talked to the Samaritans about their woes? Very few, I don't think any. What he did do is talk to his own people. He talked to his tribe, which was the Jews. And he 
was the most challenging, the most convicting, the most um, confronting to them. Because that's just how Jesus is. And I want to not compare the Jews with a group of people today, but I want to compare the Jews as, with us as believers. And Jesus very rarely says, oh, the church without walls, if you look out there, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong. They need to be here. I mean, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. This guy's looking out the window, and I just went like this. They're wrong. <laughs> I feel bad now. <laughs> um, very rarely. Instead, he pointed the finger at him, at his friends, at his self, at his disciples, and he says, um, look in the mirror. That's where it starts. The famous prophet Michael Jackson also said that. <laughs> Reagan likes that song. She sang it on the cruise we went on. I said, how do you know that song? I'm starting with a man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. Good words. No message could, I don't know what the next words are. Could have hung any better. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. He also lived uh, among his own people. Open up if you have a Bible to John 4. If you don't have a Bible, I understand we're at the park today. Um, the Word of God is inside you. You can be the church without walls, without a Bible. I happen to have one, and I will read it to you. This is a story that not only shows evangelism um, in its purest form, but it shows Jesus, not somebody else. That's what I like about it. Going outside of the church walls, outside of the synagogue, into a park, so to speak, where people hung out, talked, and this park was not in the same part of town as Jesus lived. It wasn't even the same part of the country. He was kind of being a missionary to this group. And um, I like it because it shows that Jesus is real. He's the real deal. He doesn't just preach it, but he practices it with his life. And even his best friends, his 12, his ones that are supposed to uh, like mimic him, weren't even hanging around for this. They said, oh, Jesus, we're going to McDonald's. We'll catch you later. If you're not coming, we're, not, we're out of here. And Jesus stayed. He stayed and he did his thing there. And it says this, Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. He didn't have to go through Samaria to get to, uh, to get to Colorado Springs, but he needed to. In the King James Version, it, it says it, that it, Jesus had a must to go there. He must, needs to go there. I think it almost says it like that. Needs, must, or is it just doesn't. It's very imperative that he goes there because he needed to make a point. Jesus never did anything without a point. Sometimes I'll do things and, oh, I know what you're doing with that. No, I didn't have any reason I did it that way. I'm just human, right? Is that uh, like some of your kids? Oh, is that, or your husband, your wife, is that why you're doing that? Because you're trying to make a point to me? No, I didn't even realize I was, is it, what did I do? What did I do wrong, right? Um, Jesus was making a point, and it says in verse 5, 
So we came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. So everyone knows, make sure where he's talking about here. Now, Jacob's well was there, by the way, which Mary, I know that you're very interested. Jacob's well was there in Sychar. And Jesus, therefore, being, weary, being tired from his journey, sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour. You think about what time of day that was. Maybe someone could tell me I should have figured My it out. Bible says noon. About noon. Thank you, your Bible. My, my version. Mm -hmm. Thank you, your version. It was about noon. It was almost time for when it's getting hot in the day like it's going to get today. And he sat by the well. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. This isn't a day when Samaritans were not allowed on the bus. They were not allowed in the bathroom. They were not allowed at the drinking fountain. And Jesus says, give me a drink. There was a lot going on in this situation right here. More than we see. And God forbid a Jew was asking a Samaritan woman at that for a drink. That even a, even a lower class than Samaritans were Samaritan women any woman in that day and Jesus talks to her for his disciples had gone away to buy food they weren't even with him thank you disciples then the woman said to him how is it that you being a Jew ask me a Samaritan woman for a drink for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. I'm not finishing the story today. I'm just stopping there. This is not part of the message, but in the, in the commentary I read, this was really interesting, and it may go right over your head to listen. It says, this woman expected that Christ would be just like every other Jew, but it is unjust to charge upon her or charge upon him every individual person, even the common faults of a community. There are always exceptions. And may I say the exception here was that this man was Jesus. I mean, that's the exception. Like, yeah, sure, there's a lot of prejudiced people, but this was Jesus, right? And the exception in a church without walls is that we are Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's right. We really are. Amen. I don't want that on me. <laughs> I don't want to be Jesus. That's not what I want. I just want to go to church, hide behind my walls, worship, go home, do my life, but we are called to be Jesus everywhere. In fact, some people will never go into the walls of a walled building. So the only Jesus they will ever see, am I preaching good choir? Amen. <laughs> the only Jesus they will ever see is Jordy. The only Jesus they will ever see, and they, they're seeing a great Jesus, is Tim. Thank you, Tim, for being Jesus to those around you. The only Jesus they'll see is Brady. So I hope you're being Jesus, Maria. I hope you're being Jesus. 
in the school. We need you to be Jesus. The only Jesus they'll see at school, some of those kids, is Ron Cleaver, Mr. Cleaver. Is that what they call you? Yeah. Mr. Cleaver. They don't know the, the, the no. show. No. So it's not even funny to them. <laughs> Mr. Cleaver. You don't know the show either. That's why you're not laughing. Mr. Cleaver. Beaver to Beaver. Um, it was a different day than me, but they had reruns when I was a kid. Beaver to Beaver. They're still on. They're, they're on? I gotta record it. You gotta type it in my DVR. And then the story goes on from there and you know what happens. Jesus puts a mirror up to her life and probably even her prejudice that she had. Don't you think that they are prejudiced too? Yeah. And instead of like well, let's talk about this whole situation. Last week, your friend said to my friend, or I saw on the news, he just pointed a mirror because it's who we are that God's looking at. He's not looking at his big picture is who we are. And that's what he does. Jesus always causes us to look in the mirror at ourselves. Jesus never points fingers. And his love and... Keep in mind, who's Jesus? You, me, you, me, you, me, you, you, you. <laughs> Jesus' love, your love disarms. It doesn't point fingers. And he expects, just as Jesus did, for our love to change culture with our actions. Would you come on up, my friend? What are your actions? I want to go back to that question I asked you at the beginning. What walls do we build? I want to keep this short and to the point. No, I didn't know we'd have this much shade. I know some of you don't have shade. I understand that. If you get hot and you want to come in, it's almost done. You don't. You almost don't want to encourage me because then you're like, oh, if I come in, then he's going to keep going. But I, it, we're almost finished here today. I don't want you to be uncomfortable, though. You need, you need to come in a little bit. But as I look around, I see trees, I see mountains, I see grass, I see no walls. Yet, this is the church. Yes, I'm being poetic right now, but it works. I see no steeples. Yet this is the church. I see no building. Yet this is the church. This is the church. Our kids are the church. And as we close, I submit to you one simple thought. The gathering of a family of believers in Jesus' name is simply meant to be church without walls wherever we go. Nothing wrong with buildings. Listen to this. Except when they aid in helping us to forget the world around us. Today, as I'm speaking, I, I'm not an AD, a whatever. I'm not that kind of person. I can, I'm actually too focused sometimes on what I'm doing. Sometimes. Like, do you see that Jaden is um, 
ripping down. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice. I was praying. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, but here, I find myself in the middle of what I'm saying, getting uh, served with uh, a helping of truth. That, but what you're saying is like literally comes into contact with people right now. You see around you. This is not a philosophy. This is not a um, nice thing to to preach. This is this becomes real because there's people in the world. And if it wasn't for people, it would be easier. But there are people, and they need our help. And you think you got problems, which we all do. Your problems fate in comparison with some people's issues because at least you have Jesus with you. They need to know that they got Jesus with them. step for you. There's always a greater level of uh, being Jesus than you are right now. I can be better Jesus than I am to people around me. Any kind of person, you might not even, you might not even be recognizing your prejudice because it's prejudice, so you don't even see it. Could be in someone in your, I don't know, your own family. It's probably something that you don't even realize, someone that you see every day. Like not a particular person, but maybe people that you don't even realize because it's called prejudice. If you knew it, you would identify it and you would get rid of it, right? But let me encourage you and let me close with this. Jesus never got sidetracked with people. He never was about, yes, he... Look, hear me, hear what I mean. When he spoke to things that were wrong, he identified at the core of them was not people. He knew something. He didn't read Ephesians yet. Ephesians hasn't been hadn't been written. Paul hadn't been on the scene yet. Saul, named Paul later, had not been on the scene. I'm closing with one verse. But he knew something that was revealed to Paul later, and we alluded to it today, that we are not about people wrestling against people, fighting against the issues around us. That's so, um, that's so less than where our eyes need to be. Our eyes are on the mountains, on the hills, on Jesus. And there are other things at work besides people. People are good. Our people, Jesus made people. The sin is what messes them up. And the sin didn't come from them. It came from the enemy, the spiritual wickedness in high places. And I will read that scripture to you. Paul identified it. He said, folks, come on. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. 
He said, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6.12, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Imagine if we all were focused as the choir on the truth that it's not about government and laws and people and personalities. It's way beyond that. It's about spiritual wickedness. Man, I sure wish I had something to fight the spiritual wickedness. That would be nice. That would have been nice of you, Jesus, if you would have done that. Ephesians 6.12 says it's not about flesh and blood. It's about spiritual wickedness. And here's the way we do it. Oh, thank you. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil days. Having done all to stand, put on the breastplate of righteousness, even though you don't feel right. Take the shield of faith, even when you don't have any faith. Put on the helmet of salvation to protect you from the thoughts that are out there. Put on those peace shoes, those shoes of peace, so that you can walk in places that are crazy and still for some reason when you're around it just seems more peaceful that's right put those on and take up the word of god it's the sword of the spirit which will be able to quench all the fiery well that's that's the shield of faith it'll quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and the shield and the sword of the spirit will help you fight will help you fight that's the bible would you stand except for pastor chappy Except for the old, you know. We stand before you, God, not because um, we um, just want to change our posture, but as that scripture says in Ephesians 6, let us stand. And after you've done everything you can, stand. It says it twice. We stand, therefore, knowing that we don't do it alone. Thank you for giving us the tools, the weapons. Our weapons are not fleshly, are not carnal, the Bible says. They are powerful to tear down the walls. I'm going to use that word in place there. Tear down the walls. And next week we'll talk about being more friendship, evangelism to those around us. But today, let us remember that our enemies are not our enemies. Let us pray for our enemies and let us know that it is spiritual wickedness that we fight against let us always err on the side of everybody say love and err on the side of being Jesus everybody say Jesus amen amen please, please be